0: 741 at DWS, Dave Gentry, Elizabeth Hess, and on the horn today, we've got Jim Bohannon with us. Jim, how are you?
1: Hey, good morning, Dave. Good morning, Elizabeth. Doing well, thank you.
0: Glad to have you with us. What did you think of the big Inspector General's report yesterday, Jim?
1: Well, it, uh, it certainly was uh, caustic at times, although uh, I couldn't help uh, noting some of the the language uh, that was, uh, was used in the report was, shall we say, uh, uh, putting things perhaps in the... In the the best possible light, there was a reference to uh, Comey as being insubordinate, that uh, uh, former Attorney General Loretta Lynch erred in judgment, and uh, 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 FBI agents uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page were unprofessional. Uh, That's certainly putting a good spin on it. To me, that's like referring to a riot as a playful prank that got out of hand. uh, I would have to say that I I thought that overall they, they pointed out uh, things that were a serious problem and need to be addressed, but I think they couched it in terms that, well, it was very similar to what Comey did when he first uh, talked about Hillary's emails back in uh, July of 2016. He laid out for several minutes that the perfect case for an indictment and then summed it up by saying, well, but no reasonable prosecutor would bring this case. So that's my take on the IG report. It, it hit the appropriate points, but I. I thought it rather understated the conclusion.
0: Do you suppose uh, Comey was that uh, put out with the attorney general at that time, that he called those conferences and did that? Do you think there was much communication between the two?
1: It doesn't seem like there was much communication, but just judging James Comey by his recent book tour, and he had a lot of opportunity to, to express himself, but James Comey has a very inflated opinion of James Comey, and his prerogatives. And, and I think that in general, I think he chafes at the very notion that, that anybody but James Comey should be setting the agenda on something, uh, which, uh, again, if you are are part of a chain of command, that's not a good thing.
2: Jim, it was a big week uh, North Korea, of course. Uh, you, we've been down this road before with the leader of North Korea, with several former presidents, and there was hope. Do you feel this is any different?
1: Oh, uh, it's gone further this time than we ever have before. But let's not forget that in the past, on at least four different occasions, going back to 1985, when the North Koreans were were denying their interest in a nuclear weapons program, which, of course, was one lie. There have been at least four occasions which they lied outrageously. So I would say we've, we've, we've taken a step. Let's see where we go with this. I'd like to know more about just what it is we have offered them, if they're all this cooperative, that they're... Eager to throw out the one Trump card they have, uh, no pun intended, uh, which uh, it would secure the the uh, uh, safety of this administration, the Kim Jong Un administration, and that's the only thing that Kim Jong Un cares about. If if he's willing to throw his nuclear arsenal uh, on the table, uh, then we must have made an amazing uh, guarantee to him. If I were Kim Jong Un an international gangster uh... who starves my own people while i amass billions i would not uh, i would not go for this deal i would say this well i think the president has made a commendable step forward it's sort of like chicken soup it can't hurt but <laughs> i i will have to wait and see and i certainly don't go along with, with what the president said about the the nuclear threat of north korea has ended no it, hasn't. no it hasn't even remotely ended we are on a path which might in several years possibly lead to a reduction in the danger of that threat.
2: Do you suppose that we should rethink alienating the G7 and our allies?
1: I understand what the, the president was saying. I'm not quite sure what the point was of, of alienating our allies, uh, quite frankly. Uh, the, the China is one issue, and uh, the G7 uh, another issue. There are areas in which the Frankly, Western Europe and Canada rip us off outrageously, most notably on drug prices where uh, drug companies have to sell to those countries which have a price ceiling on various products, and we have no such ceiling, and so the American public winds up paying for research and development. We need to pass a law in this country that says that no drug may be sold in the United States at a price higher than what it is sold for in Western Europe and in Canada, uh, that would force the drug companies to raise their prices and uh, and basically penalize the freeloaders in those nations. We do have issues with them. Overall, I, I'm not quite sure why the, the tenor, the tone of that G7 summit uh, was necessary. I, I thought it uh, it got more confrontational than it needed to be, but I guess that's President Trump's style.
0: Well, I think the president didn't want to go in the first place. He didn't feel like he had time to fool with it, so he just uh, messed with everybody at that thing the way it looked.
1: It, it did look that way, I must confess. Uh, I know we were talking about, about, on the one hand, the G7 summit, which had probably been scheduled for a long time, and on the other hand, uh, about something that finally came to fruition uh, with North Korea on, on June the 12th in Singapore. Uh, I suppose that uh, had I been in the, in the president's shoes, I might have, have uh, uh, suggested that the G7 summit uh, possibly be, uh, be rescheduled. Uh, again, you don't do these things that last minute, uh, but at least it would have been worth a try. Uh, but basically, I think uh, with, with the North Korean situation and anything that might have upset the apple cart there, it's worth pursuing. So maybe a a slam-bam, thank-you-bam entrance to the G7 summit and a quick exit, maybe that was the, the best that we could do. The confrontation I don't think was necessary.
2: What do you think about senators like Bob Corker, Jeff Flake, uh, Orrin Hatch, who, uh, Corker, had a meltdown on the floor of the Senate the other day saying he's tired of Republicans not wanting to poke the bear, a.k.a. Trump. He's on his way out, but he's kind of right about that.
1: Oh, the, the Republican relationship with Donald Trump is, is uh, to say the least, an interesting dynamic. What you had in 2016 was essentially a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. Uh, it's remarkable the number of, uh, of voters who apparently were, were solid doctrinaire, uh, conservative Republicans who overnight became uh, uh, populist nationalist con- conservatives, uh, which is a slightly different animal. Uh, so uh, I understand. I mean, obviously, the president has some clout with that base. It's a uh, it's a substantial chunk of the Republican electorate. Look what happened to uh, Congressman Mark Sanford of South Carolina on the eve of the primary down there. Uh, I think a seven-term uh, congressman, former governor of South Carolina. The president uh, rips him, tweets uh, about him. And this unheard-of state representative winds up beating him in, uh, in the primary. So uh, Republicans are, are understandably uh, fearful of President Trump. He, with his base, he re- retains tremendous clout. But uh, I'm not sure that I would go quite as far as the cult-like status that uh, that uh, Corker referred to in his, uh, yes, meltdown was a good term.
2: <laughs> Your colleague and I, uh, I say conservative colleague, Laura Ingram, we rarely agree on anything. But one thing that I heard her say the other day that I nodded with in agreement Scott Pruitt needs to go. Her words, what is it about this guy who seems to violate every trust and every law in my eyes? Why is he still there?
1: I can't imagine why he would still be there. There have to be any number of people who could take the position and would. Uh, I know that uh, President Trump values loyalty. I don't know if there's some level of loyalty there that he feels uh, that he must uh, uphold. But, but Pruitt has just been a disaster. Uh, he's uh, a public relations nightmare and possibly even a legal nightmare. I mean, this, this guy, uh, we've seen examples of the problems he's caused. I could have seen calling him into the White House and dressing him down, maybe. And, you know, this, this stuff stops now. Uh, but but if any kind of, of dressing down was done, it didn't take. Uh, he <laughs> needs to go immediately. I mean, he just he should never be put in a position of responsibility.
2: Now, you and I agree on something. I don't know what's happening.
1: Well, I, I may, maybe it's Father's Day approaching. <laughs> <going forward. laughs> that might be, Jim.
0: All right. Hey, Jim, we're out of time today, but uh, good to talk to you again.
1: Always good. You guys do a wonderful job. Champagne is lucky to have WDWS. All
0: right. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your Thanks, time, Jim.
1: Jim. Catch my show tonight. Well, okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, who you got on
0: tonight, by the way?
1: Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to be uh, talking some more about the uh, IG report. And uh, we'll also do a little pre-Father's Day uh, discussion tonight about... Uh, about fathers, and then why we're so often treated as uh, as bumbling bozos. Because, you know, if moms were treated that way in sitcoms and the like, you would have women's marchers uh, going through the roof. But dads don't seem to have that kind of support.
0: All right. Thanks, Jim Bohannon. Correct. We appreciate your time, buddy.
1: Thank you. All
0: right.